Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode six of Necessary Evil. I am your fearless host, John DeLuca, and I am fired up this morning. You see, when I woke up, I remembered that I am a free man. And I'm about to begin exercising that freedom. And there is nothing that you sell-out commie sheep can say to shame me out of that decision. We shut down the world economy to slow the curve, not to find a cure. Suicides are on the rise. Supply lines are running thin. Working Americans' lives have been financially and psychologically upended. And you tiny insignificant amoebas are jumping at the opportunity to hand over your personal sovereignty to the wealthy oligarchy that is our technocratic and bureaucratic elite like a bitch in heat. And you love it. Tell me what to do, overlords. Make my decisions for me. Bring me my daily rations as I sit in angst, hanging on your every word, granting you this godlike power, this almighty omnipotence to reign supreme over us mere peons. Well, I'm going to tell you something. The buck stops here. Thomas Jefferson once said that timid men prefer the calm of despotism to the tempestuous sea of liberty. Ben Franklin said, they who would give away their liberty for a temporary safety deserve neither. Well, today, my fellow Americans, I will not comply. I will not roll over and obey as you steamroll everything I hold dear. If you prefer to sort this out in the comfort of your home, then be my guest. But I would rather die a free man than live one moment under the rule of tyrants. All right, welcome everyone. Let's get down to business here, specifically corona business and opening up the economy. Now, there are some ferocious opinions on both sides here, and as per usual, I find many of them, possibly even many of you, to be hysterical, close-minded, and borderline infantile. So before we start, let's get some things straight here. Number one, you have no idea what the hell you are talking about. And neither do I. So stop spewing manure out of your ass and turn your freaking brain on for a change of pace. There are maybe, maybe 10,000 voices in the entire universe who have enough expertise in immunology to possess an educated opinion about the spread of COVID-19 and the necessary steps we should take to mitigate the death while preserving a terribly damaged but overall treatable economy. Number two, outright refusing to express skepticism or acknowledge potential bias with the CDC, the WHO, politicians on both sides, and the media figures is analogous to seeing multiple HD videos of your girlfriend cheating on you with the entire lacrosse team, and instead of leaving her, you buy this gutter rat in an engagement ring and a flight to Thailand. She belongs to the streets, brother. And you're not Alex Jones for pointing out some very obvious conflicts of interest here. Number three, if you cannot see that regular working class people can disagree about where to go from here and still come from a place of genuine benevolence, then you are not mature enough to be having this conversation. It's probably not your fault. 
But nonetheless, please turn this episode off and return to your regular scheduled programming, where the opinions you want to hear can pour in to make you feel better about your miserable life. So, we've been on lockdown since the beginning of April. Official stats per the CDC have us just under 40,000 COVID-19 deaths. This is May 4th, by the way, that I'm recording this. Uh, Most of the mainstream media has reported that number as 69,000 deaths, but that includes the almost 30,000 in which it has been ruled that COVID might have played a factor, right? And, you know, multiple reasons they may have included it. I would argue that it's to scare you, but that's okay. They're free to do so. So officially, COVID deaths is at 40,000 out of one and a quarter million positive tests thus far. And remember, most of these people are asymptomatic. So that actual number of Americans who have contracted this virus is likely significantly higher. Studies out of California have shown that this thing is way more contagious than we thought, which is kind of scary until you realize that that means it's also way less deadly than we thought. I mean, this this study out of Boston, where they tested 200 random streetwalkers for antibodies, 31.5% of them were positive. And that's a really good sign. That means that herd immunity could be the best way to fight this thing. And it means that it's not nearly as lethal a diagnosis for those under 80 and with functioning immune systems than we were told. I mean, six weeks ago, we were told to expect up to a million deaths from this thing just in America. Then a month ago, they revised it down to 100 to 300,000 deaths. A couple weeks later, it was 60,000. All right, that is what I mean when I say that you must, not should, you must be skeptical of anyone giving you important information, not just about corona, anytime. All right, question everything. Is there any conceivable scenario in which this person or the agency they represent could even somewhat benefit from, from exaggerating or outright lying to me here. Question relentlessly. People telling the truth encourage questioning. It allows them to eliminate any doubt or any holes in their theories. Remember that. Except China. We must never question China. They've been Corona 3 for three months now. And anyone so much as raising an eyebrow in pontification is an imperialistic inbred racist who watches Fox News and loves cow tipping with his sister who also happens to be the mother of his children. So we are not questioning China, but the CDC, the WHO, the politicians and the media, don't you sit there and pretend like there is no way that they could gain a little bit more power or a little bit more money if they overstated this thing. Well, the government would never do that. Come on. Really? Because we just stopped injecting Guatemalans with syphilis like 50 years ago. You know about Tuskegee, well, how about down there? Or how about when we turned two Japanese cities into glass in the same week? Or when Barack Obama hit seven different countries, none of whom's conflicts were congressionally approved, by the way, with a combined 26,000 bombs in 2016. It was so many that one month the Air Force actually ran out of bombs. I said, don't sit there and pretend like this would be the most egregious act that a part of the government has ever taken part of. All right, we were told that these shutdowns were designed to slow the curve, not to eradicate this thing or to find a cure. And by all accounts, that is what we have done. 
So if you ask me, it is high time we start giving people the freedom to act on their own accord, to provide for their family, and to risk their own safety as they see fit. If you want to stay home, do it. My parents are in their 60s. They're not going to be going out anytime soon, and for good reason. And this thing passes through most people completely unnoticed or with mild symptoms. But for the people it hits hard, buddy, it is nasty. I mean, the ventilator settings I'm hearing from friends in New York are just unheard of. And, you know, when these people start decompensating, the process is rapid. It's like getting sucked into a black hole. So you righties out there have to come to terms with the fact that this ain't the flu. This ain't no normal pneumonia. All right, I've seen several of these patients at Duke so far, and I'm telling you, man, these patients are sick. Not sick like you're shopping a Hot Topic either. I mean sick like asphyxiating to death on your own phlegm, fully conscious. All right, so I understand the argument that we need to be careful here because we do. All right, but hear me out. We're banking on the idea that Bill Gates is just going to make this successful vaccine in 18 or 24 months, right? Let's leave alone the fact that he's testing this damn thing in Africa because he doesn't see them as people and because he can sweep it under the rug if this thing has you pissing out of your eyeballs. Let's ignore that for the time being. Do you really think this is sustainable? For a year, two years? I mean, we got food bank lines of 50,000 cars in some cities every day. All saying, please give me some food so I don't starve. And before this thing started, over 50% of Americans could not fund a $600 emergency in cash. So seriously, how much longer can we keep this up? And more importantly, is it even helping? I mean, the Imperial College model uh, was used to justify much of the European shutdowns. And uh, if you don't know, Sweden went about a voluntary isolation system where people were allowed to keep their business open and travel about if they chose to do so. They encouraged them to isolate, but they gave them the freedom to decide. So the model predicted uh, that by May 1st, three days ago, Sweden would have surpassed 40,000 COVID deaths because of the refusal to institute forced quarantine. The reality? 2,600. So that begs the question, if they didn't sit inside all month, weakening their immune system and draining their savings account, and they saw a completely normal death rate, then are the lockdowns even helping? It's a valid question. I mean, everyone's allowed to go to the grocery store. So you're telling me that the one place I can go is the one confined area that everyone who lives within 10 miles of me has been in the last three days? Well, why the hell can't I go anywhere else? I'm touching everything in the grocery store. It's a straight up Petri dish in there. Immunologically, it's a nightmare. And, you know, now we have everyone claiming, oh, you can't put a price on a human life. Or my favorite, he's picking the stock market over human lives. Well, what if I told you that historically, suicide rates increase about 3% for every 1% unemployment goes up, and that's without social isolation. Does that change the narrative a bit? And even discounting that, listen, we're not going to shut the economy down if it kills 10 people a day, right? But we probably are if it's killing 10,000 a day. So obviously, there is some exact point between 10 and 10,000 where the value of those lives are not worth the risk of a stalemated economy. And I would argue that we are well past that point now. Just yesterday, North Carolina had, brace yourself, 
eight deaths from COVID-19. Eight. In a state of 11 million. I would be willing to bet my life savings on the fact that more than eight people got their nipple chopped off in a mousetrap today. Okay? I mean, they've built multi-million dollar temporary hospitals all over the country, Kentucky, Houston, all over, to prepare for this massive influx of corona patients. And guess what? The one in Kentucky, they never filled a single bed. They're about to take it down. Same thing in Houston. I mean, same thing in dozens of cities all across the country. It's obviously better to be overprepared than under, but at some point, you got to cut your losses and admit that you were wrong. I mean, do you think this is sustainable? 12, 18, 24 months? Till we have a vaccine? Just keep printing money to mail people? Can you even spell inflation? <laughs> I mean, you keep printing money and just giving it away to people because they have a pulse? Then corona is going to be the least of your worries. Right? And I'm the asshole for wanting low-income workers to have the option to go back to work, to, go, to, to bring home a paycheck. I'm the asshole. Okay. All right. And don't you dare tell me that the government will collectivize the farming and agriculture industry and everything will just be all well and good. Ask Zimbabwe how that went down. Huh? Ask anyone from Mao's China how that went down. Oh, yeah. You can't because they starved. And then their neighbors came along and ate whatever meat they could scavenge off their corpse. Sorry, Jimmy. I know we go back. I know we've been friends for a long time. But your face is looking mighty tasty. Hadn't had a solid meal in a few days. Sorry. 35 million Chinese starved to death in a two-year period when Mao launched the Great Leap Forward. 400,000 Ethiopians starved in the 80s after the Marxist dergs took over their agriculture. And then Robert Mugabe, real business savant he was, nationalized all the privately owned farms. A few years later, Zimbabwe recorded the second highest inflation rate in recorded history at 89 sextillion percent. Yes, that is a real number. 89 sextillion percent with a 94% unemployment rate. Ukraine, Cambodia, everywhere it touches. Every single time the government collectivized the food sector, millions of people died of starvation. So if you are calling for this, then fine. But at least pretense your brain-numbingly idiotic policy prescription with the caveat that what you are proposing has not only not even come close to anything other than complete catastrophe, it has created a milieu of cannibalism everywhere it has touched. And again, make no mistake, I'm not downplaying this thing. It is nasty for old people. And I would absolutely encourage them and anyone immunocompromised or just feeling uneasy to stay home. And I'm okay if we support them for the time being. But people are going to go to the park. They're going to go to the beach and house parties. They're going to go hiking, whatever they can do. All right, people are not going to sit inside all summer. You're just, you're not being reasonable to expect that. So if we're not staying inside for 18 months and we've already slowed the curve, then why can't those who choose to go outside do so? Those who truly want to isolate weren't going to see you anyways, whether you're in isolation or not. So what does it matter to them? They can stay inside for 18 months. It doesn't mean I have to. And for my nursing friends out there on their high horse, with the audacity to shame American workers for wanting to open the economy, 
mocking them and slandering their good name? When for all we know, their family is on the balls of their ass and running out of food and money by the day? To you, I say, you have a guaranteed income. You have zero chance of being let go. I could stay home for two weeks right now for saying I have a fever and get paid full hours with no PTO. So understand that you are in no position to lecture the general public for expressing their frustration and desperation. So take your sanctimonious virtue signaling ass on down the road. I mean that from the core of my being. You people make me sick. So don't be out here attacking people's character when you cannot possibly empathize with them. The same goes for our politicians and our wealthy elite. I mean, look at Nancy Pelosi. She's telling everyone to join her by staying in their homes from the comfort of her multi-million dollar mansion. Go watch the interview she did with James Corden. We got people lining 50,000 deep in the food bank lines for the daily rations, pleading to go back to work while she's showing off her $20,000 refrigerator filled to the brim with gourmet ice cream and all the fresh fruit she can handle. She is not one of you. I know some of you like this ghastly hag and what she purports to stand for, but she is not a woman of the people. And don't you ever, this goes for all career politicians on both sides, don't you ever let them get away with the all too common expression that I've been in public, I've been a public servant my whole career. She's been in political office for 34 years with a salary of around $170,000 and has managed to accrue a net worth of $120 million that we know of. If someone grabbed me a TI-84 or an abacus, because something, something ain't adding up. These columns, these columns ain't adding up. All right? That's what you consider a public servant? Like you're just doing me a favor? Becoming the 0.001% that you supposedly despise? Getting a primetime news slot anytime you want? Personal security detail? Lifetime pension? Free health insurance? That's public service? <laughs> well, then, brother, sign me up. So don't lie to my face and tell me that we're all in this together. Because your together looks a whole lot different than mine. And look at the, the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot. She got caught sneaking off to the hair salon during the shutdown after she shut down all the other hair salons so that she could have herself a damn spa day. She had to make a public statement about it. She, <laughs> she said, what a stunning admission here. She said, I, and I quote, I am the public face of this city. I take my personal hygiene very seriously. And as I said, I felt the need to have a haircut, so that's what I did. In other words, quarantine for thee, but not for me. No, 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 I'm way too important to follow the rules that my subjects follow. For crying out loud, I'm a somebody. If I want to take a spa day, then damn it, that's exactly what I'm going to get. Now feed me another great bitch, I'm exfoliating. And yesterday, she gave another fiery speech where she explained that anyone not following social distancing rules, aside from her and her royal majesty, would be arrested and thrown into jail. You must never forget, for as long as you live, that all government measure, when you play it out to the end of the line, is enforced by the point of gun. Okay? They arrested a pastor in Texas for organizing a drive-up church service where you stay in your car the whole time. 
And then another lady in Dallas was sentenced to seven days in jail for opening her salon too early. You can go listen to the court recordings where she says her employees are literally choosing to go hungry so they can feed their kids. <laughs> Alicia Obama's put out a heartwarming message about doing your part, being one of the good guys by staying home. Said to only leave your house if you need essential food and water, essential household supplies, or have an essential job. Huh. That's weird because 24 hours prior, Barack was ripping three woods off the tee at the local country club. Living it up? Well, of course, he doesn't have to follow the rules of us mere mortals. He's big time. And he's got to shave a couple strokes off that golf game. So shut up and do as you're told, citizen. We know what's best for you. And just so you don't think I cut Republicans any slack, how about our boy from North Carolina, Senator Richard Burr? Burr was involved in a Senate-only briefing about the coronavirus a few months ago, and they were told what they could expect in the coming months. Well, Burr made it a point to go on TV and tell everyone to relax. Nothing crazy is going to happen. It's going to be just like Ebola. Just relax. Meanwhile, he's dumping $7 million worth of stock his only successful market-beating trade of his life, he knew. He knew and he lied to you so as to enrich himself. Not only should Richard Burr be removed from office, I think we could raise quite a bit of COVID-19 relief for low-income families by putting together a pay-per-view flogging and or stoning of this cheese-eating rat bastard. So these people are not one of you. They do not understand you, and they don't want to understand you. Here's a good example. Here's, one, here's another one of my favorite admissions of all time. This is from the wonderful AOC who said, I love this. She said, <laughs> only in America, when the president talks about liberation, does he mean go back to work. I can't believe I'm saying this, but here I am in full, wholehearted agreement with the AOC. You're damn right that's what we mean. Because working for what's yours and earning your keep are American fundamentals. We want to work. We want to provide. We don't want a handout. Work gives us purpose. It, it provides us with a sense of direction. The big government types hate. They despise with every fiber of their being the idea that we don't need them. It drives them insane. So I'm sure there are a lot of politicians who actually think they're saving lives with this lockdown. I would even put AOC in that ilk. I think she is well-intentioned. I really do. But don't sit here and lie to my face and say that there's no way that they're dragging this out for their own self-interest. Especially if a roaring economy is the main focal point of your arch nemesis's campaign for re-election. I am pointing out very basic truths here. So I can feel you smoldering with rage on the other end of the speaker. And if that is you getting upset at my criticism of people you have never met, then I do not say this lightly. Please, I implore you, seek professional psychiatric help. You need it. And listen, I'm not asserting, I'm not asserting that the government is lying to us or that this is all some elaborate scheme to impose martial law and usher in a whole new era of central planning. I don't know. Neither do you. But if you're one of those types who thinks that there's just no way that the U.S. government 
would do something as evil as to lie to us in a time of crisis to push their own agenda and commit atrocities. <laughs> well, then sit tight, because I'm about to knock your socks off, Buster. But that will have to come in a later episode. And for now, I will leave you with that, and I will see you next time on Necessary Evil, where people are sovereign, where all government measure is enforced by the point of gun, and where state power is in direct conflict with individual liberty. Thanks a lot.